This is Texas Soccer Radio. Texas Soccer Radio. This is Texas Soccer Radio. This is Texas Soccer Radio. Esto es Texas Soccer Radio. This is Texas Soccer Radio. Another week, another fun, fun time in the sun here with Texas Soccer Radio. Uh, we are sponsored by Roughneck Scarves, and we would really appreciate it if you go check out their stuff. Uh, they have quality MLS, USL, and national team gear for you at roughneckscarves.com, R-U-F-F-scarves.com. Go check them out. And we're super excited to be part of the beautiful game network, BGN. Um, th- thank you to uh, BGN for helping to produce our show and helping us do what we do. So, um, Larry, how are you doing tonight, man? It's hot in my house, and I don't know why. Wait, it's so fucking hot today. What happened? Like, my, my thermostat says 72, but I feel like I'm cooking in here right now. I'm really worried there's something wrong with it. <laughs> I It feels good in my house, but earlier I was at SAFC training, um, I was actually able to make it out today and I went like in jeans and a t-shirt like ready for rain and like kind of a, a gross day and it ended up being super hot and humid and gross in another way. Like, yeah, what clothing, happened, Texas? That, that clothing choice was a mistake today of all days. I never wear jeans when it's hot, man. I think I may have to retire them for the season. We'll see. <laughs> it's about that time. We're getting in. <laughs> We're into May now. It's yeah. It's it's summer here in Texas. Oh, now. that's right. This episode, if you're listening to the podcast version, will come out on May the fourth. So happy Star Wars Day, everybody! May the fourth be with you. Oh, oh, feels weird saying that every time. <laughs> It feels like I'm going to mess it up every time. Um, really, though, so flipping excited for uh, all the Star Wars content that's coming out, like the best movie ever, The Last Jedi. Okay. We get Solo this month. Yeah, we do. Oh, few, Donald Glover, man. Like, if I... <laughs> man, he, he's on my list, right? He's on my celebrity list. <laughs> Is that fair? As a straight... That's fine, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think my wife would understand. Um, anyway, San Antonio FC won this week. Yeah, <laughs> I guess in, we can talk about soccer in absolutely amazing fashion, too. Yeah, they did. Yes, they did. So we've already talked about the zero-zero draw in Fresno, right? We did. That was last week. Cool. Yep. So we are all the way caught up to the three-one stomping in las vegas um larry what were your thoughts on this game this surprisingly entertaining game so we completely abandoned playing out of the back and decided to counterattack again for once yeah we did maybe that's what we need to go back to for the rest of the season i don't know <laughs> it seemed to work <laughs> i mean maybe that's been the problem all along is we've been trying to turn ourselves into something we're not and playing out of the back just doesn't hasn't seemed to work so far it's hard to argue with the results of the counterattack this week though yeah, I don't know if it's something that we'll do, we'll see every week from San Antonio FC, um, but it worked in Las Vegas. It worked very well in Las Vegas. Um, I actually went back. Jonathan Check does a great job with our recaps, but um, I went back with the knowledge of a few days to sit on it and uh, read through everything um, and wrote another kind of what went right piece for 210soccer.com. 
And one of the things I was most surprised by was what you just mentioned, um, that San Antonio FC really didn't go to the back very much. And I noticed that while the game was going on, but what surprised me was that the center back pairings, the two Ryans had almost half as many passes as they did in the previous two games. Mm-hmm. Um, they both had about 20 passes each, whereas in other games they were having, you know, around 40 or 50 each. So um, pretty interesting stuff to see it go out wide and, you know, credit to Diego Restrepo and the midfield on the attacking side, because they moved that ball really, really quickly. Um, and I'm not trying to take away from the center backs. They played well. They held it to one goal. Um, they only gave up one goal rather. Um, so I'm not trying to throw the center backs under the bus by any means, but uh, Diego Restrepo, man, like he keeps surprising me. I know some people wanted him out of goal, but I think he's everything you want for the San Antonio FC team. Absolutely. And I mean, let's the center backs, let's just talk defense in general. 33 clearances this week. Holy shit. <laughs> That's yeah. that is off the charts. And it means that they were holding their own back there. Um, everybody in the back line. So shout out to them for doing an amazing job this week because it truly made the difference in the game this, this time around. Yeah, it did. And it's interesting because at training today, one of the things Darren Powell said was that they want to continue to improve on both sides of the ball that he basically said he wasn't happy with the defensive performance or not content with it anyway. Um, So it's kind of interesting to hear that coming off of a two game road trip where they only gave up one goal, but uh, I guess perfection is the goal with SAFC defense. I mean, you always want to strive for more. There's always going to be something to work on. So I can't argue with Darren wanting I don't know if he should be unhappy with the performances, but uh, you can't argue with the results. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So the, the big takeaway on the attacking side was how the goals came. I thought it was pretty awesome because um, in the past, we've seen certain players who just kind of hero ball it and try and take it down the field all on their own. And, um, SAFC was kind of relying on that for a little bit in previous years. Uh, but both of these goals that came from open play were really team goals. On the first one, you had it go from Darnell King to Sonny Guadarrama to Ever Guzman, who unfortunately was hurt in the run-up to that goal, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Right. Um, and then on the second goal, it was a Connor Presley long pass, who unfortunately was hurt later in the game. <laughs> we'll talk about that too. Um, to a Darnell King cross to Jose Escalante. Um, but it all started with Diego Restrepo punting the ball downfield. And so you have a very quick ball movement. And the third goal, in case you missed it, was uh, Jose Escalante drew a penalty in the box. Rafa converted and did what Rafa does. <laughs> he works magic from the spot. But um, what did you think about kind of the team play uh, um, that match? I think we're starting to find that whole firing on all cylinders type play there. I'm still surprised that Roth is the one that's out there doing it, but you know, I mean, I thought we'd see some more Mikey Lopez, but that doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, He did come off the bench as a sub, but man, it, the, the attack looked good. They looked comfortable with the counter attack. um, And they, they made use of the opportunities they had that night. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I want to see more. I'm right there with you about being surprised at uh, seeing Rafa put so much because, yeah, I didn't expect him to get so much time this season just because of his age. And 
Um, you know, he didn't have a bad preseason, but it wasn't necessarily the best preseason either, um, especially with Mikey Lopez coming in. But, man, he's he's putting in the work and getting getting shit done. So happy to have him around still. Well, and as exciting as the game was on the field, the game off the field was just yeah, as exciting right. in this one. Um, multiple stoppages due to issues with the crowd. Um, one that lasted almost 10 minutes at one point. Yeah, from the 51st uh, yeah. to the 59th minute is what I have written down in my notes. There were Officially. bottles and all sorts of stuff being thrown on the field and arguing with refs and pissed off coaches. You name it, we had it in this game. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, a fun one to watch. <laughs> um, and I thought it was interesting. Shout out first off to the USL show um, and you for making an appearance on the USL show this week. Congrats for that. And good job from Thank what you. I've listened to. I've listened about half the episode so far and sounds good so far. But uh, one of the things that I thought was interesting was our buddy Carson Merck mentioning that the benches are usually on the other side of the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, away from the crowd and this is the first time where the benches were with the crowd and probably the last time the benches will be with the crowd because uh, stuff got out of hand he, he he did mention that it was an absolutely hostile environment there in that stadium for that game so little rivalry brewing between SAFC and Las Vegas maybe I'm so sad man because for weeks we've joked about how like Las Vegas is our second team and how we're a Las Vegas podcast and jokes and all that. But um, yeah, I think there may be a little rivalry brewing here. We'll see what the second match comes to uh, next time the two teams meet here in Toyota field. But I, I feel like the, the dispensary is letting that team down there, man. They got to mellow everybody out in those stands. <laughs> For real, man. There were not nearly enough free samples being passed around. Um, yeah. That, that was no bueno, but um, I I thought it was interesting, that big stoppage. Um, going through and watching it on the broadcast, it's hard to see exactly what's going on. It's hard to see, you know, who's involved in all of that. But um, what we do know coming out of it is there was an announcement earlier in the week that um, both the uh, – Sanchez, the cellist and his son, the technical director and head coach, uh, were both suspended for this week's game in Salt Lake City for Las Vegas uh, and could be suspended for more. We don't know the length yet. Um, There's, you know, there's a lot of rumors going around between Reddit and whispers here and there. So we won't speculate on that. But, um, you know, I'm really curious what happened. It, It it looked like uh, Jealous was still on the bench at the end because he was shaking Darren Powell's hand, but you know that it, rowdiness could end up costing Las Vegas. You know, it did come up last night on the USL show with Carson, and Carson mentioned that he didn't see anything in particular that would have warranted a suspension on the part of Chelis and you know his son and everything. So who knows when and where this took place? Um, and oddly enough, the USL discipline report is still MIA. It has not been released yet this week. Normally it comes out on Wednesday, so we should have already had it for at least 24 hours by now. That is not the case this week. So I was looking at that. I actually made a mistake because I think I told you that before uh, and I was looking through my emails and I think it comes out on Fridays. So maybe I'm just jumping the gun. So I did go back and check because when I was looking for stuff for the USL show last night and last week's came out on a Wednesday. Did it? And the previous week came out on a Wednesday as well. Um, I didn't go back farther than that. So I 
I mean, I'd expect it at this point, but it hasn't shown up yet. So who knows? My mistake on the mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, we are eagerly awaiting to see that. I would think it would come out on Friday. It's got to come out before Saturday. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, and it's not just players that are in there. We've seen coaches in there before and assistant coaches and staff and everything. So um, that'll be interesting. But uh, two things, two injury notes that I wanted to talk to talk about rather in this game, Ever Guzman and Connor Presley. Mm-hmm. Um, the Ever Guzman one happened in the run up to his goal. It appeared to happen in the run up to his goal. Cause as soon as he shoots, you see him kind of grab at the back of his leg he goes to celebrate and then eventually he falls to the ground and, and can't. And uh, Farino, their Vegas goalkeeper, <laughs> like he's one of the most entertaining guys in USL. I love him or hate him. He's interesting to watch. Uh, Farino comes over and tries to pull him up and uh, almost gets his head knocked off by some SAFC players. But um, at training today for the media portion anyway ever guzman was not a full participant he was on the touchline for most of it and uh it looked like he may have been doing some light stuff i wasn't you know watching him the entire time but uh either way you think can we see either alex bruce or cesar elizondo start against fresno on saturday before we say that i gotta note that that El- the the las vegas field is absolutely horrendous <sighs> horrible um that may have contributed a little bit to whatever happened with ever because it looked like his left foot got stuck um on that shot it took a he took a really awkward shot there with his right foot but his left foot is the one that and the left leg is what's injured in the thigh he had his thigh iced yeah afterwards um as far as if we see somebody else in the lineup yeah i think we're we're probably looking at somebody else up top and it'll probably be alex bruce i would think it would be at least that's who I've got penciled in there too. Yeah, I'm thinking it'll be Bruce. Um, obviously, we won't know until right before the game, but uh, it certainly points that way right now. Um, yeah, that field is arguably the worst in USL. And it's funny that that road trip was just a parade of shitty fields because in Fresno, you had Greg Cochran pulling up um, little plots of grass. And in Vegas, you can see... I know they're converting it into a soccer specific stadium, but right now it's still a baseball stadium too. Um, And you can see where the infield is, where the pitcher's mound is and everything. Um, This happened on the opposite side of the field. So no excuse for that. It's just crappy grass. um, The the same thing happened with the sod in uh, Las Vegas as well. There were players near midfield that were uh, picking up whole pieces of sod again and putting them back in their places at one point in the game. I think it was during the stoppage time uh, in the 51st minute during that 10 minute break, there was players messing with the sod. It's just uh, unbelievable. Like that's not okay. And I'm shocked that these fields are being approved for use both by USL and by pro before the games. Cause referees have to uh, walk the field and make sure everything is up to par before him. I wouldn't be surprised if these fields stay in that condition or deteriorate as the season goes on if some of these games end up getting called and not allowed to play at all. But yeah, who knows? We'll see. Um, the other injury was the Connor Presley one. Um, I am not a doctor and have not spoken to any team doctors. Um, but Ever Guzman didn't appear to have anything on in the way of casts or braces or anything like that. 
Um, but Connor Presley did have a walking boot air cast thing on his leg, um, on his ankle. So um, not sure how long he'll be out. I definitely wouldn't expect to see him against Fresno this weekend, which is really unfortunate with the departure of Tierpack. Um, I, I was kind of looking forward to Presley getting some more time, but what do you think about this injury and who do you see stepping in to fill that role? Well, guys in Las Vegas need to stop coming in studs up first off because that was, yeah, there was some several instances in that game where that happened, including with Presley. Oddly enough, he finished the game after that injury. So I didn't think it was all that bad, but now that he's in an air cast, that changes everything. Um, I would expect that we will see, I'm going to say it's going to be Gordon that probably takes his place, but it could very well be Elizondo as well because we have seen Elizondo play out on the wing this season too. Yeah, that's where we differ. I think it'll be Elizondo. Um, I think Gordon is still earning his role back, essentially. And I think that they see Elizondo as a wing player um, as opposed to a striker at this point, Um, which, you know, whatever works as long as the goals get in there. They could do something crazy and not put Alex Bruson up top and put Elizondo up there before. I mean, he played it last season. No reason he couldn't do it again. That's true. Um, we'll see. I, my projected lineup, I've got um, Elizondo and Escalante as the wingers and Alex Bruce as the striker. Um, not sure about the rest of it. We'll get to that at some point. But, um, but you've got Gordon and Escalante as the wingers probably that's, with Bruce. That's who I'm there. guessing. Yeah, that, that's where I'm at. I got you, man. Um, yeah, so anything else you want to talk about with Vegas? No, I think that's it. Let's keep it moving. Let's keep it moving. Uh, Oh, we should do score predictions for Fresno. I guess we should talk about Fresno a little bit. Coming off 0-0 draw a week ago, two weeks ago. (laughs) This is the uh, second time they'll have played Fresno in three matches. So some familiarity there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. (laughs) I mean, we came off a 0-0 draw in that game. That wasn't a particularly exciting game for our offense or defense. It was. It looked very mediocre as a whole. Um, hopefully some of that explosiveness we saw in Las Vegas will rear its head here against Fresno again. Um, but Fresno is a team that intrigues me. They, they seem to live and die by the, the draws. So there's, I'm, I'm guessing that it's probably going to be a draw again, honestly. <laughs> I, I'm expecting 0-0 or 1-1 this game. Yeah. Scott says he thought Alex Bruce played well last game, and, and I agree. I thought he was where he needed to be. He almost had a goal. Wow, I meant to talk about that. Um, in Vegas, Alex Bruce almost had a goal, and it was called offside. And um, the angle on the broadcast, it's hard to tell, but I definitely think it was close. <laughs> it, it was close, but there's never a good angle, let's be yeah. honest here. You can, unless you're at the field, it's always a toss-up when you're trying to watch it on the streams. Yeah, for sure. Um, so going back to Fresno, that performance uh, on April 22nd, last time these teams met, was the one where Diego Restrepo earned goalkeeper of the week nod. Um, he, <laughs> there were 19 shots from Fresno, six of which were on target, um, and he kept a clean sheet. So um, hopefully they won't have to rely on Diego playing at a league best level <laughs> in order to get a point, especially at home. Um but yeah, just the stats from this game really stack up really poorly for San Antonio. Uh, eight shots, two of which were on target. 
Um, five shots from out the box, three inside, just not. It was a game where we looked lost still. Yeah. And hopefully we're finding our footing at this point now. Yeah. Held 57% possession and couldn't do anything with it. So hopefully we see that counterattack again. I don't think they'll be able to break down Fresno as well as they did Las Vegas because Fresno actually plays defense, but Fresno uh, also pushes like crazy. They were on us the entire game. Yeah. Uh, Pressing and pressing and pressing. I would expect more of the same this week. Well, it would be really interesting because even though these two teams have played recently, um, San Antonio's roster is going to look a whole lot different without Tierpack, without Guzman, without uh, Presley. Yep. And, you know. Get a different look at it. Yeah. See what they can do. Um, I believe – here, let me look real quick. But I believe Fresno has scored a goal in every one of their matches except for that 0-0. Zero, zero. That is correct. That is, that is the only game they've been hold to zero, zero goals. Um, they've had five draws out of eight games this season so far. Yeah. So what are you thinking in terms of score prediction? I'm going to go with 1-1. I'm going to go – I'm torn between 1-1 or 2-1 San Antonio. I think San Antonio gets at least a point. Um, I think coming off that performance in Vegas, there's a lot of good momentum. I'm going 2-1 San Antonio. Um, I don't think they'll hold a clean sheet just because Fresno is darn tough to do that against. But um, And we should say that uh, before the match, man, there's a lot going on for this match because before the match, Saturday morning, Um, There's going to be another one of the runs with Darren Powell uh, to help raise awareness for Parkinson's um, after his father was diagnosed with it. So check out uh, SAFC's social media and website for all of that. Um, Or if you can't run, please donate to the Michael J. Fox uh, Foundation. And I'm pretty sure their jersey stuff is still going on. Oh, no, Uh, they announced a winner. Oh, they announced it? Oh, sure. Aaron Aaron Reed won the the jersey. Good for him. Yeah. Um, well, then ours is still going on. So uh, if you want to win an SAFC jersey, donate to the Michael J. Fox Foundation and send us uh, proof that you did so. We don't need the amount, but just some sort of confirmation or, or all that stuff. And uh, shoot that over to our DMs on Twitter, and we will pick a winner later this season. So I think once we get all the runs done, maybe, because yeah. there's two and five. Yeah. This we'll is number get, two. Give people time to to donate and all that stuff so yeah um anyway so that's going on in the morning um then of course the tailgates with 210 alliance crocketeers and mission city uh then a little football game for 90 minutes and then after that uh extra time where they'll be hosting a big old party for cinco de mayo and it's dollar drink night at the game um, there's going to be some people that are drunk AF at this game. <laughs> dollar beers and $3 margaritas. <laughs> They're apparently adding like new uh, beer vendor locations for this game. They're going to have a new craft beer truck. Um, so yeah, there's, there's going to be some fun. I think it's called the tap room. Is that what it is? Maybe the tap in is the that tap in? I think it's tap in. Yeah. Uh, and the cross post or the, the cross, cross, bar. cross bar, the cross bar. Uh, up below the scoreboard which looks awesome um that was where i grabbed a whole bunch of beer last year and it's nice that they've fleshed it out a little bit but um 
yeah, man, I might have to buy a ticket for this game and, and just <laughs> go as a spectator. <laughs> um, we'll see. Maybe it's better that I don't, but yeah, it could be a good time. Fun. Lots of stuff to do. I kind of like it because it, to me, I know this is just a one game thing, but to me that's saying like, okay, there's not a lot of bars around. There's not a lot of stuff to do after the game. So we're going to provide something to do. And um, that's pretty cool. It's a step in the right direction until more businesses besides Taco Bell pop up around there. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, Texas Soccer Radio Pub House. You want to start a bar? <laughs> Let's start a bar. Isn't that what yeah. we used to say when we lived together a million years ago that we were going to start a bar and yeah anyway maybe one day getting getting off course here <laughs> so that'll be fresno uh safc versus fresno fun times um anything else you want to talk about safc wise not directly i'm sure cool. we'll we've got some twitter questions at the end we'll hit a little bit more of let's unless you want to do them now yeah let's do those now i always mean to do them earlier in the show and then i accidentally end up doing them last and i feel like a real jerk so let's do them now i'm pulling them up right now well the um, first one well they're both actually from maximiliano on twitter at wt filament um he said with guzman out do you think we will see a different formation um if it is still the four two three one who is on top um, obviously, we already discussed this a little bit. I'm not expecting a different formation. I think it'll be Alex Bruce up top. Yeah, I um, I agree. I think it'll be Alex Bruce up top. Um, but I think the four two three one is interesting because on the attack it shapes up like that mostly. Um, actually, it doesn't. That's that's the reverse of what I was going to say. So looking at the average position and looking at how the game flow goes. Um, a lot of the times when San Antonio FC is doing a counterattack, and we saw this in 2017 too, um, a lot of times on that attack, Pekka or whoever's playing the six will um, almost play as a center back. And it'll almost be a three-man back line with King and Cochran going way forward, uh, almost playing like wingbacks. And I think that's one of the strengths that San Antonio FC has is King and Cochran are both extremely good on the ball and good distributors of the ball as well. And we saw that on display with King. We haven't seen it as much with Cochran yet, um, but that's only a matter of time and situation. So um, I, I think it'll probably be listed as a four-two-three-one, maybe a four-one-four-one. Um, but in practice, I think you'll end up seeing almost like a three-man backline with everybody push forward. So it'll almost be. Uh, three four three ish almost maybe not quite that drastic but um safc likes to throw a lot of guys forward whenever they do choose to attack so anyway that's my little rant i think it's super interesting that pekka and ryan rishindle and anyone else that plays that six role is relied on so heavily that they are practically a center back so yeah. i think that's really cool and so i nerd out about it a little bit well Sorry. they did do a good damn good job of it so keep doing what yeah. you do there um our other twitter question this week came from same thing maximiliano again and he said why do you think chris Tierpak left i remember seeing his dad as his beard the week before <laughs> probably and his beard he's got his beard yeah it's probably maybe it's an and his beard um, um SA Mexican asked pretty much the same thing with more discussion on tier pack. Was he drifting away because his playing time has decreased since the end of last year? Uh, so 
I did a lot of digging in with the tier pack stuff. And I went back to last season and I poured back through the last, oh, 10 weeks of games um, and the stats looking at things. In the last six, six games, um, he only got one start. He had two games where he was a sub. Um, the rest he was – or two games where he subbed in and then the rest he was either not in the 18 or sat on the bench as a sub and never came in. But fast forward to this year – and five out of the six games this season so far, leading up to when he left, um, he started five of those games, and the sixth one he came on as a sub. So I feel like it's maybe probably not playing time related. Um, he was definitely getting his, his fair share of time on the field, a lot more than some people for, for sure. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what's happened. We did get clarification. Um, we, we did talk about it last week a little bit that we thought he was going to Miami FC too. Um, there was a post that went up less than an hour after his official split from the team, but then it was promptly taken down the next day on Friday, the 27th, after we recorded last week, they did confirm it. They put it back up. Um, he did have a small statement in that. And he said that this is a good opportunity for me to prove myself with a great group of veteran players. I want to do everything I can to help this team get some wins and make a deep open cup run this year. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> um, that's cool that you looked that up. I I didn't realize it was that much. Like, I I feel like they've always treated him a little bit with kid gloves because he has been so injury prone in the past. Um, but I I don't think the decrease in playing time or anything like that had much to do with it. Um, Honestly, I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to speculate too much because we just don't really know. Um, it, it would be odd for him to – the odd thing for me, I was thinking about this on the drive home today, and I wish I would have asked about it while I was there, but the odd thing for me is that they clearly released him. Um, like, it was a mutual departure. Mm-hmm. Why wasn't there a sale? Like, why didn't – Miami FC two have to purchase um, the rights to Chris Tierpak, uh, and you know they did that with Ibiaga with NYCFC. Um, that that's the one thing where I'm like, wait, what? So maybe it was a relationship thing to where it was beneficial for the club to have him out of the clubhouse and for him to be away from the clubhouse. Uh, maybe they were just doing him a solid, but I. I can't imagine it's that when they wouldn't let Ibiaga go to NYCFC for free. Um, so I don't know. I, I do think that Miami FC two roster is interesting because um, they've got a lot of veteran names as far as the second division goes. So mm-hmm. maybe they're just incubating a team for Miami FC next year in the hopes that they'll be able to come back to NASL or to USL um, or, or something. But uh or they, they may move that entire roster to Austin, like I have half-joked about. Um, well, yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know, man. It's going to be interesting to see if the NASL does end up coming back. Um, we've got Rocco Camizio from, from uh, New York Cosmos yeah. talking about pumping in $500 million to get that league rolling. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. <laughs> Um, but tier pack did go down to Miami and he's reuniting with his old coach with, with Dalglish and he's got 
former SAFC players down there too, in Ali Hassan and Sean Chin. Yeah. Um, he's, he's there with familiar faces and he's making an impact. He, uh, he did play one game for them already against the Jacksonville Armada. It came out to a one, one draw, but he got man of the match down there for him. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> I think last year when Sean Chin and, uh, AJ Ajiqua left San Antonio FC, didn't one of them get man of the match for Colorado Springs in their first appearance too, or something yeah. like that. I feel like that's the curse of SAFC releasing players mid season. Oh. oh, well, what are you going to do? There's a, yeah, there's, there's just, at the end of the day, there's still not a whole lot of great information about why tier pack separated from the team. Um, I don't know if we'll ever get that information being we're dealing with SSNE in there. If it's not mandated by the league, we're not telling you about it. Yeah. Mindset. So I would, it's just going to be speculation from here on out. I, I would think. Well, um, some of the other things we wanted to talk about tonight, there is a meeting going on uh, as we speak, or it was still going on when we started anyway. Uh, Up in Austin, there are several meetings going on this week where um, city government is meeting with uh, the local population and hearing their concerns about uh, potential MLS stadium at McCalla. Uh, as well as uh, hearing their input in general, not just concerns. I don't want to make it sound negative, but um, yeah, it, it's it's interesting to see this ball slowly rolling <laughs> and things slowly taking shape. Uh, I don't know that there's a whole lot to say about it so far. It seems like from what we've seen on Twitter, it's a lot of the same small group of NIMBYs with their concerns and a larger group of people supporting it. Um, um, I don't, the only thing the only thing interesting I saw in there is that uh, Richard Settle, who's representing PSV, um, did mention that they were going to have conceptual items regarding this stadium and this setup yeah. uh, in one to two weeks. I saw that they had a, a stadium on the Macala place, but it was like specific. It was clarified that it was not a rendering and not meant to be an accurate representation of, of what that will be. So I'm sure that's going to end up on Twitter as look at what they're doing, even though they specifically said that's not what it's going to be. So uh, I look forward to that. Thanks Twitter. I mean, we're, we're, we're creeping up here. We're June 1st is the day where they've got to have information in. So we should see things start to pick up over the next few weeks in that regard for Austin. So that's pretty much it for Austin. Honestly, yeah. there's not a lot of new stuff. Um, if there was, we'd talk about it. And I'd be happy to talk about it, but um, there's just not. So uh, another thing expansion-wise that we wanted to talk to you was about FC Cincinnati. And the owners of FC Cincinnati were at the uh, unveiling of Bank of California Stadium for LAFC this weekend. Um, they were with all of the MLS bigwigs, and there's a lot of speculation that a MLS to Cincinnati announcement is imminent. So the club put out a statement saying that uh, it's not finalized, and Don Garber is still coming for a meeting soon, and they're working on getting everything finalized before there will be an announcement. But um, do you think Cincinnati is a done deal? Does it look like Cincinnati and Nashville are going to be the two in that final four that are getting teams. It sure sounds like it right now. (laughs) 
I mean, all, all signs point to it at this point. It sounds like it's close to a done deal. Obviously, they've got some small details to work out, but it, it sounds like it's just about there. Yeah. Um, I just think it's funny, man, like that the state of Ohio and the city of Columbus are suing MLS um, at the same time that MLS might come to another city in Ohio. So I'm curious to see how that plays out and how it affects the lawsuit and if it's a um, – hey, we'll come to Cincinnati if uh, you drop this lawsuit against us for Columbus. But mm. That would be interesting. Yeah. We'll see. Not sure Columbus would be happy about that or much of anyone other than Austin, but it is what it is. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it for MLS expansion, right? Not a yep. lot going on in any other city that we've seen. Quiet for now quiet for now what is not quiet is the usl attendance has been very very good this year uh the league sent out a press release um talking about how they reached half a million fans in seven weeks which is the fastest they have ever done so in their existence so uh, obviously as they keep adding clubs they're going to keep breaking these records um so I kind of wish it were done by like a per club basis, <laughs> but um, shout out to Cincinnati and Nashville and uh, all those other cities for pushing USL over that mark. Well, they got what four teams averaging over 10,000 people in attendance right now. Uh, Cincy, uh, Indy, Nashville, and Sacramento. Um, Cincy's obviously up at the top. They're averaging over 25,000 people a, ga- a game. Meanwhile, at the very bottom, 33 teams down, is Toronto FC2 averaging a whopping 336 people a game. Oh, man. There's no way Sacramento's averaging 10,000, really. Like, there's no way that number isn't padded to push them over. But that's, that's just totally baseless speculation. But, um, yeah, that's funny that Toronto FC is in the 300s. That's brutally honest i wonder if it's even lower than that and that's with the padded numbers like i wonder if it's actually like a hundred. Oh, what, just... i mean speaking of hundred numbers uh new york red bulls 2 is number 30 32 on the list they're averaging over 800 but they played a game this week on wednesday no and they had 117 people at the game oh, like <laughs> granted it's a wednesday game on a wednesday morning which please usl don't do any more of those wednesday morning games that's ridiculous well that's an interesting thing because we were talking about that today and um rgb did one of those uh the same day i believe right yep. and there was five games on wednesday <laughs> And uh, it was a school group that was there. And so kids got to uh, skip out on school and go see some soccer. And as much as I want to hate on the weekday games and I want to hate on the uncompetitiveness that an 8.30 a.m. match would (laughs) provide, um, it's kind of cool that you're giving the kids the opportunity to see. It'd be nice if it wasn't like a competitive match and all that, but... I'm I mean, torn on it, if that makes sense. It's cool for RGV to see what 4,400 people look like in their stadium because <laughs> they never have that many people there. Even that's probably a padded number with school children. <laughs> They're going to start scheduling all their games for before noon. <laughs> Please let the kids out of school again. Please. <laughs> I mean, it, right now... It, it, talking about these attendance tracker stuff rio grand valley says it says they're averaging 5300 they're 11th in line yeah allegedly 
Um, speaking of Toronto, um, not included in the list of cities that have been reported um, to be up for joining the Canadian Premier League. Um, oh, yeah. So Joey Alfieri put on Twitter, sources have informed me that the CPL is going to announce that Winnipeg, Calgary, Edmonton, BC, Hamilton, Halifax, Ottawa, and York will be the first eight teams to join the league. So obviously that is without Montreal, that is without Toronto, and that is without Vancouver. Um, but Edmonton was a NASL team back when the Scorpions were as well. And Ottawa is currently a USL team. Um, but, you know, I don't think anyone could blame them for hopping from USL to CPL if it's still the Fury that are making that transition. It would but. be interesting to see how that plays out. I mean, I, until a few weeks ago, like what, a week or two ago, I didn't even realize they were trying to form a CPL league up there. <laughs> but all this information started coming out about potential teams and things and good for them. You know? Yeah, it's been going on for a couple of years, but it's like never gotten any real traction from what I can tell. So it feels like almost like the USL equivalent for Canada, knowing that Toronto, Montreal, and uh, Vancouver are not likely to drop into it until the valuation is about the same as MLS. Um, Can't really blame them for that. But yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see because they can't be sanctioned first division. Otherwise, Canada, Toronto, and Montreal will be forced to shift over, if I'm not mistaken. So that's an interesting point. We'll see. It's it's cool that they're doing it. I'm sure it's not fun for Ottawa to be playing Tampa. And, uh, you know, definitely wasn't fun for San Antonio to be playing Vancouver when they had a USL side. So um, now going the other way, Vancouver playing Toronto is still not particularly fun in MLS, but still. Anyway, <laughs> America's huge, man. North America big continent geography lessons with texas soccer radio we need that central division bring it on yeah we do it'll be interesting i put on uh the usl fan page this week that uh when you realize that san antonio louisville and cincinnati will all be in the central division and the uh standoff between dwight andy and michael in the office oh god Um, yeah it's i feel like some of the most active social media teams are all going to be in the same conference in that central conference until Cincinnati gets MLS. Um, that'll be fun. <laughs> that'll be really fun. Oh, Sam, Sam's popping in here saying you want a central division. Why? <laughs> <laughs> kind of necessary at this point with 33 teams and more coming in. That's, that's rough with two divisions. I don't necessarily want it because I'm not going to be able to go to those away games anyway, other than Austin and maybe RGV. Um, But I don't know. I don't know. I don't really care if we have a Western one or not. I just, I feel like it's coming. We've been hearing about it for so much that, oh, for so long rather. Sorry, I just got a billion texts on my iPad. Don't know what that's about. (laughs) So... Anyway, wrapping things up a little bit, one more little note that I had on here that I just wanted to mention was one thing that we know in USL and MLS is that um, players and coaches get fined for being critical about officiating uh, or about the league or about pretty much anything negative that they can say. So um, 
it was funny to see in MLS this week, um, Ashley Cole yell to David Bingham, uh, don't worry, bud, I'm covering your fines. Uh, as, and then Bingham then proceeded to tell the media how he feels about VAR and the officiating that night. So um, it's funny to see players with the money to be able to just be like, I got you, man. We're good. <laughs> like, I, I would be interested to see that on the USL level from time to time, but we'll see. We need we need higher salaries first, but that's a whole other argument. Um, <laughs> need more drogvas. Yeah, seriously, um, it'd be it'd be fun to see. <laughs> <laughs> what could Las Vegas do with more money? Oh my god, more llamas! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, we're probably gonna wrap things up a little early tonight. Not a ton going on in the world, so we'll probably wrap things up just to scotch early. I'm going to listen to some of the audio I got post game, and if it's any good, I'll tag it on to the end of this episode. It would be uh, Darren Powell, Darnell King, or Alex Bruce. Um, if it's crap, then it won't, but we'll see. Surprise. <laughs> this may or may not be the end. Um, anything else you want to talk about, Larry? No, and since we're, you know, we're wrapping up a little early tonight, it Probably means. Oh my God, I forgot. Minutes, everything's gonna go to hell. (laughs) What'd you forget? I forgot about what we said we weren't gonna forget to announce at the beginning of the show about uh, next week. We will probably be doing a Wednesday show um, instead of on Thursday because we got other stuff going on on Thursday. So um, we will probably have a Thursday morning podcast if you're a podcast listener. If you're a Periscope viewer, uh, check us out on Wednesday, 9 p.m. or Friday, 9 p.m. We'll see. <laughs> uh, follow us guys, on, yeah. and you'll, you'll know for sure at TX Soccer Radio. I think that's anyway. it. Is that it? Is that it? I think, I think we're there, man. Pose with my uh, King's Coast Coffee Company. Mug Shout out to King's Coast Coffee. Just fucking love that stuff so much, man. Um, so let me pull up this other thing here super casually. Um, how's the puppy doing, man? I didn't hear it this time. He's he's down there barking. I I thought my wife was going to be home by now. To uh, She's supposed to be home around 9, and he hasn't showed up yet, so I'm guessing she's not. <laughs> Uh-oh. I don't um, know. We're going to have to go track her down after we're done here. <laughs> well, we'll go solve that mystery real quick, though. Um, I would like to say thanks again to Roughneck Scarves. Genuinely, thank you. Um, Roughneck Scarves and BGN help us do what we do. And uh, it's taken a huge weight off of our shoulders, to be honest with you, to uh, have their support and have their partnership. So thank you. Thank you to Roughneck Scarves and BGN. Please go check them out if you haven't already. Um, Roughneck Scarves is the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. You can get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Again, it is R-U-F-F-neckscarves.com. So thank you again to them. Um, Anyway, thanks for listening, and we will catch you guys next week, 9 p.m., Wednesday or Friday or Monday or something like that. Saturday. We'll figure it out. Go down the line. Um, coming off a 3-1 victory in Las Vegas, uh, seeing some balls get in the back of the net, what does that mean for you going into this game at home? Yeah, I think obviously you know, when the ball hits the back of the net, it uh, makes everyone take a nice uh, big breath and uh, 
you know, it, it's always very positive and it's something that we were working on and, you know, we felt if we get one goal, we could probably get another goal, um, you know, fairly quickly and that's what happened in the game. So, yeah, you know, the, guy, the guys have been working hard, extremely well, both sides of the ball, as we always do. Um, you know, even today in training, we, we were able to create a few more chances, but Fresno is a very talented team. So, you know, when teams come, come to Charity Field, they set themselves up um, and it makes it sometimes very difficult. So we'll see what happens this Saturday um, with Fresno and uh, hopefully we can, you know, score again and uh, get on top of the game. But as we well know, it's, uh, that's going to take a lot of effort and hard work to do so. This will be the second out of three games that you've played Fresno. What does that familiarity do for you? Yeah, it makes uh, it makes the scouting report a lot easier. Um, you know, we can actually scout against ourselves and what happened because it's all very fresh. Um, and then last week when they played Phoenix, you know, they had the. Uh, you know, play against 10 men for for majority of that match. So for us, it just keeps everything fresh. Um, you know, the guys, uh, we're not presenting new information for the guys. It's just very fresh information from a previous game um, that, you know, we all want to make sure that um, we perform better than the first time we played against them. You know, they say in basketball, coach shots eventually even out. Do you kind of feel that for your club? Just the, the chances yeah. have been there and they're, they're going to start finding the back of the net. Yeah, I think, you know, the last time we played Orange County at home, I thought we created more chances that night than we had in all the games previously. And, you know, the concern is when it doesn't go in, it's the execution. But the players are getting there, getting to the right spots. Now it's can we execute when we're there. And, and that's what we said. We need to show progression during the course of the season and progression on both sides of the ball, not just the attacking side, the defending side has to improve as well. So when that improvement is there, um, the execution is going to be a part of that. And, um, you know, we're creating chances we feel we're creating more chances so it gives you more opportunities and then hopefully the execution will be there in that final moment so you scored zero goals against fresno and then five days later three against vegas and two somewhat similar matches based on uh, how much you were under duress what flipped the switch in those five days do you think, oh, I think uh, look again you when you when you watch the games um teams set themselves up differently um, and we were able to, to do some things um, against Vegas that we weren't able to do against Fresno. Um, you know, I don't want to go into too much detail because that's, that's what we work on. Um, but bottom line is, you know, we, we want to try and get into the spaces that are provided for us by the opposition. So we look for those moments um, and there was space against Vegas that, that allowed us to maybe get in behind some of their defenders at times. Um, and that wasn't apparent against Fresno. So for us, it's uh, very important that we look at different ways to break the opposition down, and that's what we spend our time on the training field doing. And then it's a matter of, OK, we create the chances, now you have to execute and you have to put the ball into the back of the net. So um, you know, for us, both sides of the ball always, you've heard me say it many times, but it really is true. You have to work on both sides of the ball because um, when you're attacking, you may be giving something up defensively, and when uh, you're defending, you may be giving up something attacking-wise. And, and, and that's always the the, the, um, the moments in the game, and the players have to make those decisions from game time. So, and then congratulations on graduating, your man. Thanks. There you go. Congrats. <laughs> what, what kind of what kind of scene are you expecting for Cinco de Mayo Saturday at the stadium? I don't know. Do I want to know? <laughs> um, you know, it's great great that we're celebrating Cinco de Mayo, and uh, and it's around the game. You know, but I've seen a few commercials. That, um, are, are providing different promotions within the stadium and uh, I'm sure people will enjoy themselves and um, unfortunately as a coaching staff and a playing staff we won't join those same festivities but the uh, maybe after how, the game. maybe <laughs> after maybe not during the season but uh, they uh, no bottom line is I think um, you know these guys 
when the fans come, you know, we want to make sure they leave with a smile on their faces, you know, based around the performance on the field. And hopefully when they come into the stadium, they enjoy being in the stadium. And to celebrate Cinco de Mayo in the stadium, um, hopefully we'll make it even extra special and extra loud and uh, people have a, an extra, um, extra good time on Saturday night. So coming off a big win in Vegas where you saw three goals scored, uh, how does that feel coming off of you know, a 0-0 draw right before that? It's good. It's good momentum uh, coming back home. Obviously, you know, we were away for a whole week, so it's good to get back here in front of our home crowd and uh, hopefully we keep this little streak going. You know, we want to try and get as many wins as possible. That's the goal. So. Was was the environment in Las Vegas as hostile as the broadcast made it sound? Was it a pretty intense place to play? Uh, it was pretty intense. You know, was a, they have a very strong uh, fan base there. You know, a couple of bottles thrown here and there, but, you know, it's part of the game, I guess. Um, the referee got under control and we got back to business. We just maintained focus throughout the 90 minutes and uh, got the job done. F- unfortunately, we got a goal scored on us. We want to limit those. Um, but, yeah. I mean, good environment. We, we get hyped for games like that. So You're one of the newer guys here in San Antonio. Have you gotten used to the environment here at Toyota Field and having that support set behind you? Yeah, yeah. Like I've talked to a couple of reporters before. Um, you know, I played here a couple of years back against them, and I've always been, you know, on the other side. So it's good to be on this side, have that, that, that strong support from, uh, you know, 210 Alliance and Mission Mission City Firm. So did I say that wrong? Mission, Firm, Mission yeah, City? Right. I think that's right. Don't kill me, guys. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a uh, it's it's great fan base here, great support from everybody, and uh, you know they the city has their teams back, so it's great here. Darnell, hey, speaking of uh, Mission City Firm and Two Ten Alliance, how was it uh, seeing those guys out there supporting you in Vegas? It's great. It's great. You know, I I, I didn't know until I heard them, you know, come out uh, when the game started, and I was like, wow, that's that's dedication from your from your fans. It's great loyalty they they show to us, and uh, it helps us along the way, obviously. You know, I guess some of us didn't know they were going to be out there. And to see that gets us even more pumped with even that type of crowd that they had. You know, especially when we scored for them, it was uh, heartwarming for us to run over them and show them support since they show us all the support. So. Playing the same team, you know, the third time in a couple of weeks, I mean, how's that help you or is it? Fresno? Uh, you know, obviously we got to go out and do what uh, we, we focus on week in, week out. Um, we, we know some of their tactics. Uh, we, we had a couple chances on them. I know they had a good amount on us. They, they like to uh, overload on the side, on the left side, both sides when they can. So, you know, we just got to be focused defensively and then uh, create our chances. And when we create our chances, we got to score them. That's obvious. I mean, you know, that's a big thing we need to keep working on week in, week out is putting our chances away. Uh, that's key to uh, our success. So. Uh, two matches five days apart zero goals against Fresno and then three against Vegas what do you think changed uh, between the two I think obviously we tied in the last game so we wanted to wanted to make sure we win the game and obviously when you win the game you score goals and that's how you win a game yeah. and then uh, you've now had two appearances on the road how, how are you feeling coming into what should be your first appearance uh, at Toyota Field obviously I'm, I'm confident you know that's how I need to be and my head's right in there and hopefully it's score a goal. You were this close to in Vegas and it was called offside. What was, what was going through <laughs> your head when that flag came up? Uh, well, my first reaction was to go celebrate with the, with the bench, but they called it offside, which I saw late. But just got to the next one and the next one won't be offside. Do you feel, I know you said you're confident, you're comfortable. Do you feel like one of the younger guys on this team or does it just kind of feel like, you know, another... Well, yeah, I know I'm still still one of the young ones too, and obviously I'm still learning a lot. But the the older guys do teach me a lot.
at the end of the session right here, just me talking with Steven, and obviously he's helping me out a lot. So going from being, you were part of the ETP program before, right? No, or I was just training. Okay, going from training with the club last year to you know a full contract and now getting more and more minutes and potentially your first start on Saturday. Uh, what's kind of that journey been like for you? It's been good. Obviously, I've been really patient. Uh, Darren's just told me to be patient and my chance will come. Obviously, it's not the not the way I want to get my chance. Seeing ever go down, it's uh, you know I wish him the best recovery, but. Whenever I need to step up, I'll step up and do a job.